Take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 20. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 20. That first book of our New Testament as we look today at God's Word and as we talk about it not being fair. Now, be honest today. Be honest. There have been times in your life that you have thought to yourself, this is just not fair. Anybody in here? That message resonate with you this morning? You wanted to proclaim it. You wanted to publicly confess it before everybody and every individual that you came across. Exactly. It is not fair. So you know what? I'm going to give you that opportunity today, okay? I'm going to give you that opportunity to confess it here in this place. Let, let's say today, for example, you remember, you remember as a child not getting that bike that your neighbor got, but you longed for that bike and you didn't get it. Or maybe it was a video game. And you didn't get that video game. You, you would ask your mom and you'd ask your daddy, but you, you just didn't get it. But your neighbor did. And what did you think to yourself? I'm going to prompt you here, okay? It is just not fair. Now, that was the first run. I'll give you another opportunity in a moment, okay? I hope you in the gathering you're catching on to this. Let, let's say, let's say, um, well, let's say that here you are in your workplace, and you've been longing for that job promotion. You had hoped that you would get it. And you'd put all the hours into it. You'd done everything you thought you needed to. And the next thing you knew, the lady, the one that sat right next to you, she got the promotion. And what did you say to yourself? It is just not fair. That's better. Some of you guys yesterday, you were sitting around that television set. I know what you were doing. You are watching the different games. Some of you, especially you Arkansas fans, some of you and others, you were, you were watching it and you were thinking about it and you were seeing what happened. And maybe an official threw something that you believed, uh, threw a penalty that you did not believe should have been cited. Maybe that was what you did. And you said to yourself, it is just not fair. And, and look, folks, I've got to, my Bulldog fans, my, not the Louisiana Tech Bulldog fans, but I'm talking about the Mississippi State Bulldog fans in this place. When you missed that field goal last night, when you missed it, you did miss it, didn't you? What did you say to yourself? Bob Myers, just say it out loud. It is just not fair. It just is not fair, my friend. Just not fair. You've wanted to say that before, and you have said it. In your mind and in your heart, you have said, this is just not fair. Well, let me tell you something. When you look at God's Word, and especially in the parable we'll see this morning, there are some things that are not fair. But praise God, they're not. Praise God that God deals with us not simply in the terms of fairness, but He deals with us in terms of grace. And I want you to see this in this passage. As Jesus is talking about the first being last and last being first, he gives this story beginning in chapter 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard. And whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Getting went out about the sixth and the, ninth, and the ninth hour and did likewise. 
And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle. And he said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. And they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I'm doing no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is it your eye evil? Because I am good. So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. Jesus gives us this story about the vineyard, the man who owns the vineyard, and those who come to work in the vineyard. It is a very interesting story. And let me say this up front. It doesn't necessarily give us the best business practices that we'll find. In other words, if you are an owner of a business or you're trying to put things in, well, you're trying to implement things into your own little system, let me tell you, this is probably not for you. This is not something of a business model that Jesus is giving here. Rather, what Jesus is doing is talking about the kingdom and how the kingdom relates to grace and how that grace relates to us. Now, notice the story here, basically. Basically, what Jesus says is you've got this vineyard and it is time for the workers to come. It is time for people to come in and make the harvest. So what the landowner does is he goes out into the marketplace and as he goes out he sees these different ones who are there and they're waiting for somebody to hire them they're looking for a job perhaps and this landowner says why don't you come and i need you to work this day for me and if you'll work this day i'll pay you a denarius now a denarius wasn't necessarily generous it was just basically enough for the day it was enough for you to be able to take care of your family if you made a denarius each day it was just enough just enough for you to take care of everybody. So these individuals come and they begin working. Six o'clock in the morning. Six o'clock in the morning. That's, that's pretty early, right? Six o'clock in the morning. They begin working. Well, the landowner notices that we need some more help. So what does he do? He goes back out to the marketplace about nine o'clock. And he says, hey, if you'll come, I'll do you right. I'll take care of you if you'll, if you'll come and work for me. At 12 o'clock, he returns. At 3 o'clock, he returns. He, he continues on until 5 o'clock, the 11th hour, it says. 5 o'clock, he goes out and he says, Hey, I need somebody else, just, just somebody right now to come and to work for me. I've got to make this harvest. We've got to get it done today. Would you come and I'll take care of you. I'll do what is right. Well, these individuals come. One hour left. They're all working. Obviously, they have completed the task that they were called to. That's basically the story that Jesus tells. And then he says that the landowner, according to Jewish law, he, can, he brings all of the employees in to pay them at the end 
of the day. Can you imagine how they're all kind of lining up to get their pay? And he says, let's begin with those I hired last, and then let's proceed to those that I hired first. So those that have been working one hour, they come up, and uh, the landowner gives them what? A denarius. Now, you can imagine this, right? Here you are. Perhaps you're in the back of the line. You've been working all day long. And you see that guy that's worked there for one hour go up to the boss, and the boss gives him a denarius. What are you thinking? You're thinking to yourself, if he gets a denarius, you think, I've worked 12 more times than he has. I've worked 12 hours. The heat, the exhaustion of the day, he's worked one hour. If he's getting a denarius, whoo, man, this is going to be a good day for me to go home and see my family and to share with them the great abundance that I received. So, the boss continues to give out wages. And they notice that those people that were hired through the day, well, well, they got a denarius too. But maybe they held out hope. Maybe they thought, surely those of us who worked all day, well, finally they get to the front of the line and the landowner gives them a denarius. Well, what did they say? Basically what they said was, it is just not fair. Land on balls. I mean, you paid them a denarius, and all they did was one hour work. Here we are. Here we are. We worked 12 hours, and you've given us the same thing that you've given them. It is not fair. And again, according to labor practices, it probably would not be fair in our contemporary world today, right? It is just not fair. But remember, This story is about the kingdom, right? Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he tells this story. It is not about business practices. It is not about policy and procedures. It is about the kingdom. So what does this story tell us? I think there are a couple of truths that you can mine from this story. One, we are all recipients of God's grace. We are all recipients of God's grace. Of God's grace. Now, I want you to see as you read through the story that God's grace permeates. It permeates the scripture. And really what all of us need to understand is that each worker who had been hired had been extended the grace of God. Why? Because God had invited them. Or the landowner who is representative of God had invited them into his vineyard. He had invited them to work. He didn't have to necessarily do that. He didn't have to choose this one or that one. He simply invited these individuals into the work. In that day, in that New Testament age, in that Palestinian area, it was very difficult to live. We could only imagine. High unemployment, high labor, I mean, hard work. These individuals had to do. And notice the ones that are called are those who are just kind of standing around the marketplace. They're just hoping, they're looking for an opportunity to work. They're just hoping that somebody will come by and say, Hey, why don't you come and work for me? So here they are. They're all standing around. And it's that early morning when the, when the landowner comes and says, Hey, I need, I need you. I need you to come. 
and I need you to work. You know, that is an expression of God's grace. Even in the beginning, that he would allow them to come and to work. A denarius, as I said, would provide for your family, basically. The basic needs of your family. So what this landowner was doing was saying, you come work and I'm going to give you whatever is necessary to take care of the basic needs of your family for this day. That in and of itself, that in and of itself is goodness and graciousness from the one who called. But you'll notice that those were the very ones that dismissed the grace of God. Those who had initially partaken in God's goodness and graciousness, in the landowner's goodness and graciousness, they are the very ones who dismiss grace for all the rest of them. You know, I do read through this story and I hear it, and I hear it in my own heart, my own life today. And I'm going to be honest with you, it challenges me. And it convicts me. Especially when you think about my life and you think about many of your lives. Many of us could say today that God, for example, had called us at a younger age. Many of us in this place, right? Many of us were probably in Bible school or revival services or maybe one Sunday morning or maybe it was RAs or maybe it was GAs or it was a youth program or something. Many of us, when we were younger, accepted the Lord as our Savior. And thankfully, we have served Him. You know, we've been in the vineyard, we've been working, we've been doing all sorts of things for, for many, many years. And, that, and that's awesome. I don't take anything away from the testimony or the faithfulness that is collected here this morning. But you know what we often do? The longer we stay in the vineyard and the longer we work, the more we think that we are owed by God and by others who are around us. Right? I tell you this, that this is a personal confession of mine this morning. A personal testimony. That I, I see myself sometimes working and doing to where I go back to God and say, God, now, let, let me tell you, I've done this for you and this for you and this for you. And uh, God, I think you owe me something on this. So I put it out there to you, okay? I told you a few Wednesday nights ago that I've been here almost two years now, so I can be honest with you finally. <laughs> But that's who I am. I can see it creeping up on me. Sometimes I can. Sometimes it's upon me before I even know it. And instead of seeking grace and understanding that it, that look, I'm just a product of God working in my life and a grace that he's, ex, that he's extended to me and that he owes me nothing more than what he's already given me. And let me tell you, friends, I don't need anything more than what he's already given me through the eternal life of the Lord Jesus Christ. But so many times, it'll get in my head where I'll think, Oh, God, you owe me more. I'm looking at these others who've come in, and God, I've served you so much longer, and so many others, and God, 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 why can't? And probably, to be honest, there have been moments in my spiritual life where I have simply said, God, it's not fair. God, it's not fair. 
As I've looked around and I've seen others who've got God, it is not fair. And yet, God reminds me that He is the one that gives grace. He is the one that extends it. And He has given me exactly what He said He would give me in my life. He's given me grace. He's given me eternal life. He's given me empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He has allowed me exactly what I need in my life. You might call this the elder brother syndrome. The elder brother syndrome. Now, in a few weeks, we're going to talk about the prodigal son. We're going to talk about him. And what a story that is, right? But it's so long, the story is. And usually what we do is we take the son and the father and their reunion. That's probably what I'm going to do in a few weeks. And we simply leave out the last part of the story about the elder son. Why? Because, well, it's not as inspiring and as encouraging, is it? I mean, I love just to stop with the father's embracing of the prodigal. That's kind of where I love to stop because when you get to that point and you see the goodness and grace of God by welcoming back this, well, this one that had gone astray, you just want to stop there. But actually, if you read on down, you'll find out the older son, there he is. And what's wrong with him? Well, he's, he's pouting. I mean, here he is outside. Not even willing to come in the house, right? Not even come in the house to have a party or celebrate anything. He's standing outside. The father has to inquire, has to go to him and say, Son, what is wrong with you? Why would you come in? Why don't you celebrate? And basically, what does the older son say? Dad, I've been here and I have served you faithfully. And I've been doing all that you told me to do. And here I am all this time. You, you never threw me a party. You know, I, I hadn't seen the steaks come across the grill. But none of that kind of stuff. No lemon icebox pie put out for me. No, 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 no. But when your sonny boy comes back home, you know that one that told you he wanted you to die and that one that took all of his, all of his goods and all the resources and, ha- and, and, he, and he went off and he just spent it in his own way? No, when he comes home, you, you throw a big party. Can't, I, can't, I can't, just can't participate in this. Can't do this. Why? Because the elder son had forgotten the very grace of God the grace of his father that had been extended to him. His father reminds him, well, son, all that I have is yours. You remember the son, he spent everything, everything here, it, it, it's yours. But he cannot come to that point in his life where he celebrates what's happening in his brother's life. He has become so self-centered. He's become so self-oriented that he is not even willing to celebrate the return of his brother, when his father basically says, my son who was dead is now alive. God has been good, has brought my boy back. We are celebrating. We are... But the older brother was too caught up on what he had done and his own faithfulness 
thinking the father owed him much more when God had already been gracious to him. You see, that, these laborers who were out in the field, well, God had been gracious to them. He did exactly what he said he would do. He said, you come and I'm going to give you a denarius for the day. It's going to take care of itself. You're going to be able to take care of your family. You come on. God had been gracious to them. My friends, I say to you, those of us in this place who served the Lord for a while, may God convict us this morning and remind us that we are not where we are because of our self-effort. We're not where we are today just simply because of our good deeds. We are where we are today because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was about 16, and I was leading music in a little church called Blue Springs, Mississippi. Some of you heard me talk about it. Blue Springs, Mississippi. I'll be up there tomorrow, very close to there as I preach up at Blue Mountain. Uh... Pray for me tomorrow as I preach, I think, three times during the day. So pray for me. But I was there at Blue Springs, and uh, I went off on a Bible conference with a high school. And while I was gone, they had a business meeting. Now, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that was a business meeting. I wasn't there, but some of you have been through them before, right? Thank God I hadn't had one in many, many years, and I was so proud that I was gone for this one. Something occurred. I think what had happened is somebody had used the copying machine, which was in the pastor's study, and they had changed the wrong toner out. And because of that, we had a church split. (laughs) You think I'm kidding. The pastor should have been monitoring that. He should have known who was going in that office. He should have known who put that toner in. He should have. It's cost us a lot of money now because of this pastor. And that night, things just erupted. I got back Sunday night or Monday. I can't remember exactly. But when I got back, I was contacted by the deacon that was so faithful. Wonderful guy. Guy who had called me to come there initially. He contacted me and he said, Reggie, I want you to come up to my house. Now, I'm going to tell you, 16-year-old and not knowing, and I've been around church a little bit, but I was thinking, is this a wise thing? But I went up to his house. And he began talking to me about all the problems in the church. He got telling me about every pastor they had had for the last probably 30 years. And probably there were about 15 of them that were there. Every two years, things changed. And he told me how each one had his own failures, his own weaknesses. He told me all kind about this. And then he turned and he said, but let me tell you what I've done. I was the one that was there when I started, we started that family life center. I was the one that gave this, and I was the one that did this, and I was the one that did that, and I was the one that did this. Now, I'm going to tell you, I was a 16-year-old boy. I was trying to absorb it, and I was just as quiet as I could be trying to see what was happening. But I kept thinking to myself, you know, all I hear is about what you've done. Tell me what God has done. I remember as a 16-year-old boy saying that, and it challenged me because all of a sudden, hearing what he said and hearing all the things, and, and, and unfortunately, he never did come back. Unfortunately, he went and, and, and was partaking in some other things. But I, I thought to myself when I heard that, when are we just simply happy about the grace of God 
that has been demonstrated in our lives? When does it come to the point in our lives that we feel like we are owed by God? When we get to that point, my friends, we need the Holy Spirit to convict us. We need to be challenged. We need to be reminded that God is the sovereign God just as the landowner owns all the land and is free to do whatever he wishes. The God is the sovereign God above. He is the God that can do whatever, whenever, whatever in our lives. He has perfect authority. And thanks be to him that he has given us grace and it's been extended to all of us. I say to you, friends, when we find ourselves in such a place, we need to be reminded of the grace of God. I say to you the first truth, basically, is we are all recipients of God's grace. Get this. Number two, we're all recipients. We're all recipients of God's blessing. Now, I know grace and blessing can be almost synonymous, and it is in many ways, but I want you to see here that when the last come in, they receive the same as the beginning workers. Denarius, denarius. I think that's pretty awesome. Especially when you think about it corporately, when you think about it per personally. Corporately, well, know in the New Testament, even in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah and other passages, you'll find this idea of the vineyard connected with what? The nation of Israel. Oftentimes symbolic. The vineyard, the nation of Israel. So basically, if you think about it in a corporate kind of sense, that God is... He had been using Israel. He had been using the nation. He had spoken to them. He had worked through them. He had chosen them. God was doing a work. But what God did was he said, you know what? I'm going to invite others to come into the vineyard as well. In other words, I'm going to invite others to come into the kingdom. And we'll get to the New Testament and Jesus is preaching. And then later on, Paul and Peter, what happens? The Gentiles come in. They may not have been there from the first hour. But, oh, they showed up. They showed up in that third and sixth hour. They showed up even in the eleventh hour. And God welcomed them in. And guess what? God gave them the same blessing that he had given earlier. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to tell you, you and I, most of us in this place, obviously, we trace our lineage from the Gentile families. And we in this place ought to be thankful. We ought to praise God because he has brought us in to the vineyard. And he has not made us second class citizens. Rather, he has promoted us right up there with his children, with his people. And now we enjoy the privileges and the responsibilities that go with his sonship. Thanks be to God. That it didn't matter where we came in to the picture corporately. He still extended to us the same blessing. How about personally? How about personally in our lives? <laughs> you see, I said that most of us, we've been saved probably for some time. But get this. It doesn't matter whether we've been saved 20 years or we've been saved two days, we still receive the same blessing from God, right? So, in other words, when I come into the kingdom, well... I get the denarius. You might call it eternal life, the sufficiency of God, whatever you want to call it. God's worked in my life, and it doesn't matter if I've been saved 20 years or two days. 
That eternal life is real. And I get to experience it. Now look, again, I take nothing away from service or faithfulness. I take nothing away from that. But please know that it was through the grace of God that all of us were saved. And all of us come to that same place of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And all of us can experience it. No matter what. And one day, my friends, one day, when Jesus Christ calls us home, whether it be through death, the avenue of death, or whether it be when Jesus Christ returns himself, and we experience for ourselves a place called heaven, well, you and I, All of us will know the true pleasure, the true enjoyment, the true delight of what God has prepared for those that he loves. What if I've only been saved two days? Still heaven. What if I've been saved 20 years? It's still heaven. Aren't you proud that God's not got just a half of heaven for you? He, he's not just got a little... He, uh, you know, you only been saved. Dude, so I'm just going to give you just a little bit of it. Those have been there about 40. Now, we're going to let you have a whole dose of it. Mm-mm. God doesn't work that way. Aren't you pretty proud of that? He didn't say this is going to be the section for you all. This is going to be the section for you all. We're going to give you Baptist a little bit over here. You can't handle quite as much as the old charismatics can over here. We'll let them. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. As a matter of fact, that thief on the cross. Thief on the cross. That could could never have achieved anything. That could have never achieved works or salvation on his own. Why? Because his feet were nailed to the cross. He could not walk enough to work enough. His hands were nailed to the cross. He could never have performed enough activity. His life was slipping away. And as he called upon Jesus to remember him, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, Today, today, You would dwell with me in paradise. What an awesome message that is. That no matter where you come into the kingdom, no matter what time the kingdom, eternal life can be real for you, and the hope of heaven itself is a reality. No matter where you are. Some of us come in at 6 a.m. in the morning. Praise be to God. There are others who come in the 11th hour. Praise be to God. Wherever they come in to the vineyard, wherever they come into the kingdom, praise be to God. I say to you again, though, think about these who come and say, God, we've been here longer. Uh, Why why did they receive the same as we received? Remember, the denarius was simply enough to take care of their family. 
So here they are begrudging others just the necessity of life. Just the necessity of life because they were paid. My friends, God calls all of us to just be happy and celebrate what God does and how he calls us. Because this is the truth. He says again, he says, well, the first shall be last. Last will be first. For many are called, but few are chosen. In other words, God has called us. God has worked in our lives. He's come to the marketplace. Let's say he's done that this morning. He said, hey, won't you come join my kingdom? Why don't you come work for me in my vineyard? You come and I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about all the details of the contract. You just come and I promise you, I'll do what is right by you. And for those who hear that and respond in humility and who respond to the faith, in faith to the grace of God, well, God opens the door of the vineyard. God allows us to come in and to experience the grace that only he could give. Today in this place, two challenges. For those of us who have been saved, for those of us who have been saved for some time, today, can we simply recognize God's grace in our lives still? And know it's not through our self-effort or self-confidence. It's through God, his work in our lives. For those of you today that are in this place and you say, Hey, I felt God calling me. I've been feeling it. The Holy Spirit's been working on my life. Today in this place, would you respond to the God of heaven who has issued such a call to you? And would you come? Don't worry about, well, it's late in life and all. Don't worry about all that stuff. God has said, no matter where you are, whatever time of life, whatever season, you come to him, the grace is plenty. You come and experience eternal life. Would you hear God's call to you today? And would you respond as we pray? Father, we do come to you this morning. And Father, we pray that in this place, you would bring conviction You would allow your spirit to search our hearts and lives. And God, today, for those of us who've been saved, we've been in the vineyard working for some time, God, I pray that you would impress upon us the true reality of your grace still. God, may we never place confidence in ourselves. May we never come to that point to, Lord, we're crying out, it's not fair. Rather, God, may we trust in you and believe in you. May we celebrate what you're doing. God, for that brother, sister, that individual that's here this morning, and yet, Lord, they've never responded to your call. God, I pray that your spirit would just impact them today. Your spirit would convict them today and that they would come to know the eternal life that comes through your son, the Lord Jesus. God, speak to us. Help us draw close to you. We pray in Jesus' name.